sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Full Court Press, second hour it is. Tuesday on December 17th, a frigid, frigid cold day. In fact, your current temperature right now, 9 in Logan. Your current, your low tonight, 3. Three degrees. Three degrees. Hey, I got a question for you. <laughs> have so you cold. ever like? Because I mean, yeah, you, you have kids. Did you ever go to, like snow caving? Is that snow caving? Is that what it's called? Where you have to build a cave and sleep in it for yeah. scouts? Uh, thankfully, I dodged that and I never had to do that either as a as a youth myself or as a an adult. So I and built- I hope to never have to do it in. in oh, an emergency. dude, it's the worst. Me and my friend had to build a cave and then it collapsed on us. I'm not even kidding. Like it was the worst experience of my life, and I, I, yeah, I haven't been snow caving since. And we got in a snowball fight with like uh, this this other scout group, and it turned serious because it was fun at first, and then it got like real serious. And for some reason, I got. I mean, I'm not even joking you. In the span of three minutes, got hit in the, in the face, the nuts, and like my kneecap with snowballs. By the same kid. Because <laughs> I know the same kid because he kept apologizing after. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I just remember snow caving out in the winter days and it was freezing. And that's what I think about out here. Yeah, current temperature 9, low is 3. That is brutal. It's cold. I had to go fill up my gas. Or fill up my gas. Oh, dude. Fill up my car today. <laughs> so <laughs> Maybe roll this back a minute. Ajay and I are talking like, hey, I haven't had lunch. Have you had a lunch? No. Okay, let's go. <laughs> so we're going, and I get in my car and realize I am like beyond empty. I'm like, oh, crap. We might have to get out and push. Like that. That's why I really invited you along. So if I run out of gas, <laughs> I need somebody else to go out and push. All right, Ajay, get out. Well, I steer. Start pushing. <laughs> oh, but it was so cold. Eventually, when I didn't have to fill up, I wasn't planning on getting a hot chocolate today, you but man, I had to get a hot chocolate today. I see you walk in with this cup of hot chocolate, and I'm like, is that a coffee? So I was outside filling my tank, and I was freezing, so I needed a hot chocolate. Eric, it takes like 30 seconds to fill up, man. No, it takes longer than that. Standing out there in the cold, and it's it was a there was a breeze. Okay, pushing the buttons included. It's about a minute. You know, do you want a receipt? Do you want a car wash? What's your social security number? What's your favorite car? <laughs> yeah, I know. How are your tires? Facial recognition. <laughs> it was cold today. Oh, it was oh, freezing. So cold. It was bitter. Anyway, as we, uh, our first hour, we uh, we recapped a bunch for you, including our main story, Jordan, uh, Jordan Love, Gerald Brown, and a couple other uh, Aggies were uh, caught, um, allegedly, excuse me, allegedly, uh, I don't know, what's the word? Allegedly. Smoking marijuana. Yeah. Uh, Allegedly smoking marijuana. This happened Saturday night, eleven thirty p.m. Uh, they're just at the. It happened at the Millennial Towers. That's just off campus, so it's not an on-campus facility. But it was at the uh, Millennial Towers about eleven thirty p.m. Saturday night, and officers were called to the scene to investigate um, that there was odor coming out of this room. Uh, police said that they uh, made contact with the people there. Um, six people, total of six people, 
were found to uh, been consuming marijuana. A seventh person also uh, was there as well. Uh, so there have been some charges, the Class B misdemeanors, uh, that include Jordan Love, Gerald Bright, Sean Carter, he's a wide receiver, uh, as well as a, a track and field athlete, Alani Rice, was also involved. Um, so there's um, uh, multiple charges. It's more than just possession, uh, unlawful purchase, possession, or consumption by a minor. So there's a couple different things that are going on there. Charges are pending. Uh, additional charges are pending. Excuse me. It's still an investigation that's ongoing. Uh, and according to the report on CashValleyDaily.com, all the suspects have been cooperative. Uh, they did have to do a search warrant for urine of three of those that were involved for, for testing. Um, but um, we still don't know what impact that's going to have on the bowl game this Friday. You, the yeah. Athletics has not issued a statement. Uh, USU spokesman Tim Vitale did issue a statement. It's very brief. He says, we are aware that citations were issued. We have processes in place, both in student conduct and in athletics, and we'll follow these procedures in this case. So the court date has been set for December 30th. Um, but again, it's uh, can't stress this enough. Uh, it's just the very early stages of this. Uh, this is what's been alleged to have happened. Investigation continues. But um, there have been citations issued uh, and charges filed. Uh, so we'll see how that affects the team this week. And if uh, Jordan Love, Gerald Bright, Sean Carter, if they play on Friday. Yeah, well, uh, and by the way, the press conference for the uh, Frisco Bowl will be on Thursday morning, uh, I believe 9.30 a.m. our time. Uh, it's what time that will be held at, so uh, we'll get you audio as soon as you possibly can uh, of the Frisco Bowl and uh, and the things that uh, Coach Anderson and his players who he'll choose to have speak uh, we'll, we'll have to say in that as well. Uh, Eric, Utah Jazz. Well, have before you say that, just uh, want to emphasize that Jordan Love, Gerald Bright, Sean Carter, they have traveled with the team. Yeah. They have been practicing yes. at the Dallas Cowboys practice facility. They are participating in bowl festivities. So they are there. Uh, but the, the impact or um, discipline that might be associated with this, uh, if there is any, we don't know yet. Uh, just uh, the Utah State has uh, athletics uh, has not uh, made any statements uh, about this. Utah State athletics was reached out to before the story went live and was published. Um, Want to make sure we emphasize that that Utah State was uh, reached out to, uh, and then we there is that statement from uh, Tim Vitale, who is a spokesman for the university. Can we move on? Yes, let's move on. Uh, Utah Jazz tonight will face the Orlando Magic after a nice little layoff where they actually played their last game at home. And guess what? They get another home game. So after a nice layoff, Mike Conley is going to play tonight for right. the Utah Jazz. Jazz injury update. Just Is there anybody listed as out, though? Do you f- know? Just a couple minutes ago, Mike Conley is listed as available. Is that all that's listed? It's okay. all that's listed. Okay. Well, that means everybody else is available. Everybody else should be available, too. Great. Uh, Eric, this, this Jazz team has been up and down, to say the least. That's probably a nice way of putting it. They squeaked by a Warriors team who was without Draymond Green, without uh, Eric Pascal. Uh, 
They trailed the Warriors by 14 at one point and had to rally for a 114-106 win. What is their problem? I don't know, but I think this time that they've had, they've had a nice little break here with uh, some home games and the time in between. And Mike Connolly, not Mike Connolly, sorry, Quinn Snyder said that they've spent this time um, getting back to some basics and removing distractions. I don't exactly know what that means. He didn't really elaborate, but I think this is a really important stretch for the Jazz to refine who they are and understand what they really have. Not what we thought we had on paper, but what we what they really have. Um, and it's a stretch of games against opponents that really aren't that good. And so it's an important stretch for the Jazz to get things right and make a run. And the other thing about that is, because you're right, but I feel like Mike Conley hasn't came to be Mike the Mike Conley we all expect him to be, to be himself. I think that's fair. And, that, I mean, he's missing a ton of floater jumpers that should be going in that he makes automatically. That, you know, it's sometimes he's a little bit late on a read. Uh, I f- Defensively, he's been really good, to be honest with you. Offensively is where I'm absolutely terrified about. And I didn't think I'd ever have to say that. Right, just inconsistent. Uh, just struggling with his shot and finding his offense. Yeah, because as of right, oh, I had it. Uh, I, I was looking at Mike Conley's numbers so far, and right now Mike Conley through 21 games is in in 29 minutes, 13 and just under 14 points, but he has what four and a half assists, just under one steal a game. He's but he's averaging almost two and a half turnovers a game. Uh, his PER is is 12.41, so it's it's not great. Well, at least it's not really good for being a point guard. That's what I'm worried about the most. Um, and so there's, I mean, there's just that worry that how long is it going to take it for him to come around? Because by the way, we owe him a ton of money now. If he plays over that 54 game threshold, we owe him 34 and a half million dollars for doing so. And had to give up a lot to get him. Yeah, yeah. I, I, they played the last game on Friday. Uh, they haven't had a game since, and so they play again tonight. It's another home game uh, against the Orlando Magic, which aren't a bad team. They don't have a great record, but they're not a bad team. But this is a this is a team that has struggled coming together for yeah. whatever the reason is. I mean, they've had moments where they have guys that look like they're really good, but um, I think one of the big keys, and I talked about this with Dan Clayton last week, Salt City Hoops, that the, the real problem is the bench. You can't have the starters play every minute of every game. Yeah. And when that that first starting unit goes out, the bench just doesn't maintain, doesn't hold anything that they established. Any lead that they had eventually evaporates, and that's been a real real problem that they still haven't quite figured out yet. Who is that strong leader coming off the bench that can hold things together while those, those key starters rest? That hasn't really materialized yet. Emmanuel Mudiay had a good game. He's had a, actually a good couple of games. If if that's a trend that can continue, that should really help the bench. But with that being said, Dante Exum is still a mystery as to why he's not getting more minutes. Yeah. And if he's not going to get any more than what he's getting, why do we have? Why do we team? still hold on to him? And by the way, going back to Mike Conley really quickly on three days rest, Mike Conley only has one game played on three days rest. 
He had five points in 27 minutes. He also had five assists, but he also fouled out. His assist-to-turnover ratio was about two and a half, five assists to two turnovers. And and percentage-wise, for the team on three days rest, as a team shooting, now, granted, this has only been like, I guess, one game they've had on three days rest. But uh, they've shot, what, here, 40% from the field. Um... Sorry, 44% from the field, uh, 25% from deep. They're shooting 70% from the free throw line, 34% from inside the arc. So on like on three days rest, the team doesn't really seem to make a big jump statistically as you think they would for having that much rest. That's what concerns me the most. When you have three days rest, you should be able to clean up and easily dispose of whoever you've got coming at you. You shouldn't yeah. have that problem. No, they shouldn't. I mean, this is a... A little more veteran team than we than the Utah Jazz have had over the last few years, so I think that three days rest means more now than perhaps it, it used to. But um, this was a team that it had a stretch there where they lost six of their last eight. Now they've won three of their last four. Uh, hopefully, yeah, we're seeing something that is starting to turn the corner a little bit for the Jazz. But they've also gone up against some pretty soft teams. They should be turning a corner and looking good. But after tonight, they go on the road for a couple of games. It will not be easy. They actually have a about a four or five game stretch here. It's going to be pretty tough. At Atlanta, they've struggled with Trey Young and how to handle him. Charlotte, well, okay, they shouldn't be that hard. But Miami's a really good team. They'll have Portland in Utah on Thursday, December twenty sixth. They're kind of resurging. Coming, they started the season horribly, yeah, but they're starting to while. come back. And then you travel on the road again. And you're at LA for the the Clippers on December 28th. So that's that's a tough stretch here for the Jazz. That they should be able to win most of those games, but they very likely could lose all of those games the way that they've played in this last month. Which would be really bad because look, when you only have three games against teams of above 500 or better, you shouldn't have that issue. They shouldn't have lost Oklahoma City on a back to back without Daniel Gallinari. There is no way you should have been lost. You should have lost by 14. No way does that make sense to me. Right. Even if you didn't have Rudy Gobert, you shouldn't still you still shouldn't lose that game. That's horrible. And so my my biggest concern is that this team just plays to their opponent's level, which yeah, I guess that's the old Jazz, right? And you mean like back in 07, 08, 09, when these teams, I mean, this Jazz team would play really good against Denver Nuggets with Carmelo, really good against the Lakers. They compete with the best in the Western Conference, but when they're playing uh Phoenix. I guess Phoenix was pretty good back then, but when they're playing like a, a Golden State who wasn't that good back then, when they're playing a Clippers who wasn't that good back then, when they're playing uh, the Milwaukee Bucks who was really bad, uh, and the Atlanta Hawks who was not that great, they'd go and blow one by like 15 and then find themselves in the fourth seed in the playoffs and wondering how they got there. These, and so I guess what I'm trying to say is that this 20-game stretch is going to matter because it's going to affect what April looks like in the seed. Absolutely. I think there's a risk that some teams face that when they know, when they think that they're good and they know they can flip a switch, sometimes they just wait too long. They think, oh, we'll get it going sooner or later. This game will come together for us. And they have games where that is true, but you can't do that every game because some games it just doesn't. If you're lackadaisical early and don't have that critical we got to get this win mindset, then sometimes the other team just gets hot and they have NBA caliber players too 
and you just it starts to lose momentum and they gain it all and it's hard to to dig yourself out of a hole. So I'm afraid that that's happened a little bit with this Jazz team. They thought, look, we've got some really good players. We'll come together. We'll get it figured out. But sometimes the stretch is too long and it's just too hard to come back from. Yeah, and again, you don't want to get... You don't want to get settled or content with where you're at right now. Like being the 60 in the Western Conference is not a good spot to be in at all. You want to get that home court advantage, and they should be a top four team. If not, Eric, do you blame Quinn Snyder for the disappointing season if they're not a top four seed? Is it disappointing for you if they're not a top four seed? It is for me. If they're not four or better, um, I would be disappointed because. Based on the moves that they made, they should have been better. They should be a home court playoff team. Um, And do I blame Quinn Snyder? Probably. Because ultimately, it's his responsibility to get that squad to come together and understand what they should be able to do. And he's got the talent on paper to make it work. Uh, The talent coming off the bench has been very problematic. But that's how you manage rotations. That's how you manage who's on the court at any given time. And developing young the, the players who are on the bench to be better role players, which hasn't normally been a problem for the Jazz, but suddenly it is. Yeah, and that's and that's another problem is I, I like what you said about the bench. That's that's a huge issue for the Utah Jazz as of right now. When the starters go in and get you a twelve point lead and then your bench goes in there and you're down by three all of a sudden, uh I, the rotation's got to be better, and I'm with you back. Look, I am not a Dante Exum guy. I've not been a Dante Exum guy for a long time. But when you, when you keep putting Moody out there, and who is inconsistent at best, like he had a great game versus the Warriors. He had a horrible game versus Oklahoma City Thunder. And right now, Moody, uh, let's see here. Moody is getting... Twice as many minutes on the court as Exum is. And right now, Moody, by the way... And it's not that way, he's necessarily outplaying him. Yeah. Uh, 15 minutes a game is getting five, just under six points a game, two rebounds, under one assist, and almost a turnover a game as well. That just doesn't stand out to me. Dante Exum, eight and a half minutes a game, three points a game. Uh... But, I mean, look, he had three great possessions. I said it before, I'll say it again. He had three great possessions versus, I think, the Warriors. One bad possession, which resulted in a turnover and a layup on the other side, and he got pulled out. The guy's just losing his mind. He doesn't know what he's supposed to do. And I'm, at this point, with Moutier playing as inconsistent as he is, I don't blame him. The other guy I really want to start questioning here is uh, is Jeff Green. I mean, he's had some really good games, but he had some games where I'm like, dude, you got to quit shooting. You've got to quit shooting. You're killing us. Yeah, I, I'm really interested to see after this break that they've had more time in the in the practice facility. How different this team looks tonight. Yeah. How different they look in their rotations. Um, who's the first guy off the bench? Who handles the ball when Mike Connolly goes out? Who backs up Rudy Gobert? Uh, and how well does Mike Davis, or excuse me, Ed Davis, how well does he, how well is he progressing? Um, Jeff Green, does he finally start to make some shots? So, um, yeah, I'm very interested to see how this time off between games has helped the Jazz. 
because they needed a they needed a little break. They had a lot of interesting travel, and uh, they weren't doing that great. They needed some time in the gym to work on some things. So uh, hey. again, they play tonight. Seven o'clock. We'll have pregame at about six fifty here on the fan. What's your thoughts on Ned Davis? Disappointed. Me too. I think we 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 got spoiled having Derek Favors as that other big man that could fill the fill the paint when Rudy Gobert went out. And uh, I thought initially I thought Ed Davis could be okay backup, but he really hasn't been. He's, I mean, he he has moments, but I just he's not a necessarily a, a shot changer. Rudy is a shot changer, and it's hard to expect that from everybody because he's a rare animal in the NBA. But you want somebody who can at least hold down the fort. Yeah, when he comes when in, he comes teams aren't like floor. getting their big yeah. cartoon eyes. Like, oh my gosh, here we go. Let's attack the rim. We're going to get the easy buckets. Because the problem is, is that Tony Bradley can't do the job either. So how? And, and I know people are asking, how do we get favors in a trade? Um, I don't know if we can. I don't well, know. I mean, what they're going to be asking? The Pelicans for. have to trade him to somebody else. Oh, it's a waiver. And then that team has to Fetch. cut Derek Favors. Yeah. And then the Jazz could pick him up as essentially a free agent. Not so, gonna happen. It's not that's very unlikely. I know that's frustrating for Jazz fans, but that's just look, we're the ones that gave him up, right? You wanted Mike Conley, this is this is how it is. So yeah, that's hmm. All right, we're gonna take a break. Coming back to speaking of the Utah Jazz. They're not just having on the court struggles. Gonna have another kind of court battle on yeah, their hands. Uh with a very expensive one at that. We'll tell you what we're talking about. Eric Franson, RJ Salveson, Full Court Press, 106 on FM, 1390 AM. Eric France and Aldrey Salson here on the Full Court Press. On this day, what did we just listen to? In 1996. Was it 96? Come on, where is it at? Dennis Rodman of the Chicago Bulls versus Shaq of the LA Lakers. <laughs> you never, you, you ever see this fight? Oh, okay. The, uh, this is when, <laughs> uh, where is it? Where did it go? Oh, you just were there. Um. On this day, in I think it was 97, actually, if I remember right, because Jordan was still playing, um, Shaq and Dennis Robin went at it. If there was anybody, oh, 1996, yep, 23 years ago today, uh, Dennis Rodman wins a loose ball rebound and gets the foul. Hershey Hawkins comes from behind and tries to rip it out of Dennis Rodman's hands. 
He kind of, you know, Dennis Rodman's like, the f-, you know, get off me. Shaq, out of nowhere, just shoves Dennis Rodman. And, look, Dennis Rodman, when he was the bad boy, was not terrified of anybody at any point in any way, shape, or form. Nope. On any court. So him and Shaq go at it. Jordan and Pippen come and tackle Dennis Rodman to the floor. Like, they're right. Like, dude, knock it off. We are not losing you right now. It's another stupid suspension because you're acting like an idiot. Yeah. So, like, Pippen's laughing at this time. Pippen's just freaking thinking it's hilarious. Jordan's ticked off. Jordan's screaming at Rodman. And Phil Jackson, ironically, guess who he's yelling at? Shaq! <laughs> so, and so, anyways, they go at it, and, like, Dennis Rodman, like, gets up, starts clapping. Like, Dennis Rodman, look, you can say whatever you want about him, but he, no one battled harder on the floor for any, like, any loose ball. Like, the little things you needed That's added true. of a guy, Dennis Rodman gave you 110% on everything. And if, okay, so people say if it weren't for Jordan, you know, we would we would have won the NBA Finals if it weren't for Rodman, the Jazz would have won the NBA Finals. Rodman had just as big of an impact in that than Michael Jordan did. I thought Rodman did a terrific job on Carl Malone. Uh, he's definitely pesky. Oh, he was annoying. Yes, yeah, we we all annoying. hated him, and we, that was part of his thing was to get you because he was so aggressive. He he got in your head, but it worked. Yeah. It worked, dude. He did it to Carl Malone. He did it to uh, who's the Sox big man or Sonics big man? Uh, not Kemp, but the other guy. He annoyed him for six straight games in the NBA Finals, to where that guy played minimal minutes in Game Six because he couldn't deal with it anymore. Where he was just an absolute mental mess. So why do we bring up Dennis Robin? Because tomorrow, Thirty for Thirty is airing their special documentary on the bad boy himself, Dennis Rodman. And I cannot wait for it to air. <laughs> I am so excited to see this thing on Dennis Rodman. He was, I mean, look, he was controversial. He was, uh, he was a, he was a maniac off the court. He was a weird dude. He sometimes did stupid things on the court, like he kicked a cameraman versus the Magic. Got suspended what two hundred thousand dollars in eleven games and lost like one million in salary for it. Kicked the cameraman in Utah too. Yeah, that's right. Well, and then do you remember that? Uh, do you remember that poster uh, that the, the Utah Jazz fan had? Um, and uh, he was like a front. He was a he was a famous season ticket holder fan, and had a fan a poster of Rodman that Rodman didn't appreciate, and they they actually kicked out the fan in Game Two of the NBA Finals in the second time go around. And the whole entire crowd just booed like I like as loud as you possibly could. You could barely hear Bob Costas for like five <laughs> minutes. It was just that loud. Anyways, tomorrow is a, a very special documentary on Dennis Rodman. Catch it on ESPN. Don't forget about it. Hey, another player who's uh, been a bit of a lightning rod for controversy at times for some of his antics on the court and with fans is in the modern era is Russell Westbrook. Oh, go. Got into it with a jazz fan. Uh, has got into it with jazz fans. In multiple occasions over the past, when he was with the Oklahoma City Thunder, that's Russell Westbrook. And in a game a year ago, this happened in March, there was a fan, a couple of fans that were heckling him, and uh, he wasn't caring for it. And uh, he it became an issue in the post game. He was calling out the whole fan base, he called out this guy specifically. There were some reporters nearby, went up and, and found this guy. And he didn't seem bothered by it. He seemed quite proud of 
what he was able to do to get in Westbrook's head that he was heckling him, but didn't f- seem to feel like what he did was crossed any line. But the Utah Jazz, after getting blasted by Westbrook, uh, yeah, man, they were it was a, a really strong accusation, and they didn't want to be caught like they weren't doing anything about it. And they did an investigation. They talked to some people who were in the area. They talked to their own security people who were in the area. And they determined that that fan, his name is Shane Kiesel, that he will be banned for life. You can never come back to a Utah Jazz game ever. And it, it became a big deal. And until the Jazz made their decision, this guy was all over social media. People were pulling old, old Twitter things that he put out there which were not flattering. He had his own string of racial stuff that was inappropriate that he put out there freely on social media. And so he got a lot of negative attention. He claims that he lost his job. He's had defamation. Uh, It's been hard for him to do anything since then. And now he's filing a lawsuit against the Utah Jazz. And it's not a cheap lawsuit by any means. Count to $68 million in damages. And now it's up? It's up to $100 million. He went from 68 yesterday to $100 million? Shane Kiesel, along with his girlfriend, Jennifer Huff, combined. Oh, jeez. Their combined lawsuits seeking $100 million in damages on claims of defamation and emotional distress. In a lawsuit filed on Monday in 4th District Court, attorneys for Shane Kiesel argue that Kiesel engaged only in typical crowd behavior when he and his girlfriend, Jennifer Huff, were objected to a tirade from an irate Westbrook who is then, of course, as you already mentioned, playing for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, and it says, Mr. Kiesel's heckling was the same kind and caliber of that of the other audience members in the section, the lawsuit states. Uh, and the lawsuit also, uh, attorneys for Kiesel argue that Westbrook misheard or mischaracterized Kiesel's comments and that Kiesel had told Westbrook to wrap his knees to, pay, to be better able to play later on in the game. Now, Kiesel, we all remember he participated in a TV interview after the game. Uh, he said he believed the back and forth with Westbrook was just in jest until Westbrook began shouting profane language and threatening Kiesel and his girlfriend Huff. Uh, the crowd was shocked by the ferocity of Mr. Westbrook's outburst, the statement says, when he had been only been told to take care of his knees, albeit in a mocking manner that implied he would need to use them extensively to ensure his team's victory. Uh, the lawsuit goes on to describe an escalating controversy in which Westbrook described Kiesel's comments as racist. Westbrook fans campaigned for Kiesel to be fired from his job, which he ultimately has by Southwest Airlines and by Brent Brown Toyota. Yeah, it was like an auto dealership. Yeah. And the Jazz took punitive action against Kiesel based exclusively on Westbrook's version of events, but in a prepared statement by Frank Zong, uh, Zang, excuse me, who's, a, by the way, really, really good guy. He's the Senior Vice President of Communications for Larry H. Motorsports. And entertainment said there is no legal or factual basis for the lawsuit claims against the Jazz. Quote, the organization investigated the underlying incident and acted in an appropriate and responsible manner. We intend to vigorously defend against the lawsuit. Now, the lawsuit, again, just to finish this up, states that because of the claims against him, Kiesel and his members and the family were harassed, as you mentioned, Eric, and that he had to alter his driving routes, stop using his first name, and install new locks and security cameras at his home. He said people in public have stopped, pointing out, and taken photographs of Mr. Kiesel and in his fam- and his family. The lo- uh, lawsuit states, Mr. Kiesel, to avoid going out in public except when necessary. They would like a public apology and significant financial damages, according to the suit. 
This is where you, you come through, Erica. The attorneys are seeking $68 million in damages for Kiesel, 32 for Huff, claiming it would be 100 of uh, defamation and infliction of emotional distress. Yikes. That's a hefty chunk of change. That's not going to yeah. win either. So the Utah Jazz organization themselves, Frank Zhang, he's a senior vice president good uh, for communications. He said really that, uh, that the, the organization investigated the incident a year ago and they acted in an appropriate and responsible manner and that they plan to vigorously defend the lawsuit. So here's uh, okay. So here's my question really quickly. Okay. Oh, let's just step on the side of Shane, just briefly. Words that, according to someone on Twitter, who's a, uh, he says he spoke to many people around that section. They never heard anything of such that this this that Jazz claimed he said. But the Jazz don't have any audio of what Shane said either. Does Shane have a legit shot to win this lawsuit? Uh, that's a fair question. I mean, there may have to be at some point a settlement. I don't think he's going to win, but the Jazz will claim that they talked to. I mean, they have security right at the bench, at multiple places at the bench, and at every staircase in the area. So they have personnel who are in the area. You you know they interviewed and have yeah. talked to. Um, so they have their witness testimony. I'm sure they have. Uh, I don't know how many other fans in the area they spoke with, but they'll have their own personnel that they can turn to and and uh, be have involved with this with this suit. So I don't know, but the fact that it wasn't recorded anywhere it, it is a he said he said kind of a thing, except for the fact that there were a lot of people in the area that uh, maybe this Shane Kiesel is not thinking about that. I don't know. I think this is a case of a guy who's feeling bad for what happened, and he's he's mad about how hard it's come down on him, and so now he's lashing out. I and that's kind of where I look at it. It's where he lost his job. He says he can't go anywhere on the streets. He can't go anywhere in public. Obviously, I mean his face was plastered everywhere, which it should be if he's saying the stuff that he said. Uh, and I mean he can't give out his name. But, but honestly, is that I mean, really, how wide of a circle is that? Yeah. I mean, if he walked down the street right now, I wouldn't recognize him. Me neither. He could walk into the studio I right have now no and idea. introduce himself as Shane. Like, hey, hey, Shane, how you doing? Yeah, thanks for popping in. I would have never thought about. I would, it. No, that was eight months ago. Yeah, there's no way I'm going to remember who he is. My, and, and and here's the thing: if Shane does win this lawsuit. And because the Jazz aren't going to give in, nor should no, they. No, they won't. No, in short, they, they shouldn't. But if Shane wins this lawsuit, what does it tell the NBA? How scary is that? If Shane wins this lawsuit, what does it tell the NBA? That, hey, look, you know what? We understand that, uh, you know, things are said. But you can't ban a guy from the arena or you can't plaster a guy. I mean, he, he wasn't plastered by the Jazz. He was plastered by the media, and which he should have been, and by fans alike. But it 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 gives this this aura of man say anything you want if you get banned sue them and get your money get all you want here's a sixty a hundred million dollars hundreds of millions of dollars and I is it worth that. that for the time he's missed of work 
There's no way you should be getting $100 million off of that, man. No way. That's, that's solely logical. No, I mean, he, I think he's trying to say, look, this became a... They spread my name. They smeared me, not just locally, but nationally. But look, dude, I mean, go check your own social media account. You have a history of really inappropriate stuff. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's the problem. And it, he, he didn't get banned because of his history of inappropriate comments on social media. He got banned for what he said in the moment to another professional athlete. And the Utah Jazz, and there's been a series of bad actors in sports arenas at the, at the time. There have been a couple different incidents that had taken place, and it dated back to about a year ago with the Jazz and the Thunder in the playoffs when Westbrook slapped somebody, All slapped their away. hand away, oh, slapped yeah. the phone away. And, and so I think the Jazz were like, look, there's kind of a bad reputation about us right now, and there's some things that are going on in the league. We're going to take a stand. We're going to make a very strong statement. Was it too strong? Probably not. Something needed to be done. So I applaud the Jazz for what they did. I just hope that they did get corroborating yeah. witness testimony because if from they don't their have own wi- employees which I think that justified it. I now like it's what, gonna have to come to light. I like what you said. There's no way the Jazz do what they did unless they have factual evidence. There's no way they say, hey, we're going to ban you from the arena, even though we have no idea what really happened. And that's a pretty big thing to do, right? Here's a fan, yeah, somebody who spends his money, comes to the game, buys stuff in your arena, and you're going to tell them not to come back anymore. So, and that's why I think knowing how, look, I've worked for them before. I know how detailed they are in everything they do. There and there's no way they ban somebody without knowing for sure what they are doing and what and I mean what they're doing this for and without all the details, answers to all their questions. And I am certain that they went to the people that were in near this section, heard what he said, and shame on the people for not doing anything about it. But got the evidence they needed to be able to continue on with this, uh, with this punishment. Uh, there's no way they don't. Shane can go around and say, "Hey, look, honey, you were there. Uh, who's that guy sitting next to us? He was right there too." Great, but you still need to have, I mean, evidence that, or at least from somebody, that you didn't say what they're claiming you said. And if you don't, dude, you're gonna lose this lawsuit, and you're gonna end up owing your attorney a ton of fees, a lawyer. So he better be odd. Doggone careful about what he's saying right now. And, uh, again, by the way, it even tells you more that the players wanted this to happen, too. They wanted answers. Yeah, the they, Joe Ingles, players were Donovan very Mitchell, George Nien, adamant that something FK needed to happen. Udo, they were hearing it from other players. Every, yeah. He had nut jobs throughout the NBA. Former players, oh, yeah, the Jazz are the worst. Thobble's, They're so racist down there. It's like, no, come on. This... You have a few bad actors all over the place. Don't blanket say the Jazz people, fans, and organization is racist. Yeah. And so I think the Jazz organization felt like they had to do something. Well, and make the, a statement say, look, no, we don't stand for this crap. Well, and look, the meeting that they had with the Jazz players, all right? When Gail Miller had a meeting with the coaches, Dennis Lindsay was in there, Steve Starks was in there, in the locker room, and it was a meeting between the players and those three, and it was, look, what can we do? 
to you know to help the situation because look guys like Donovan Mitchell double Cephalosha who had been through a race some racism issues in New York when he was tackled uh he was identified incorrectly by the cops tackled tore his ACL doing so right uh FK Udo uh George Yang I mean the list goes on of and even Joe Ingles was in on it Rudy Gobert and they said there has to be something done I'm not going to play for an organization that's not going to stand up for us. We don't want to be a part of that. So do something about it. And sure enough, Gail, and, and they did their research, their homework, their investigation. We're assuming. Yeah. We're pretty much, we, knowing that organization and how they operate, we're pretty confident that I like, I'm, they I like, did I'm going to go off the this. fact that the Jets said they did an investigation. They did an investigation. Yes. There's no way they're going to be like, oh, let's not do anything, but let's say we did something right. about it. Yep. There's just no way. Can't happen. All right, we're going to take a break. Coming back. NFL, I want to get your thoughts really quickly on this. This is totally random and off the air. But I want to get your thoughts on the NFL All-Time 100 in receivers. There is a list of very qualified receivers. Only a certain amount will make it. I want to get your yes and no's of predictions of who will make that list. Dale? Say that one more time. I was distracted by something I saw on Twitter. What were you looking at? Uh, I'll tell you off the air. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric France and Andre Salveson here on the Full Court Press. It's a Tuesday, December 17th. Just a few days away from the Frisco Bull Tropical Smoothie Cafe, Frisco Bull, Kent State, Golden Flash, Utah State Aggies. That game will be on 610 AM KVNU, as well as the pregame and postgame with Eric France and Alois, Craig Hislop, and Ryan Bohm. Make sure you join in on 610 AM KVNU starting at 3.30. Spend the rest of your day there. Don't move the dial. You'll get the game and the postgame itself only on, well... On KVNU. Gosh, dang it. Fetch. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, hey, there's some Mountain West coaching announcements we got to get you. I was going to talk wide receiver finalists, but I forgot. Fresno State, New Mexico, they get their guys. Yeah, so there were four openings in the Mountain West for coaching uh, positions. We knew that um, UNLV, before the season ended, announced that uh, Sanchez would, would be let go. Um, and then New Mexico... Before the Utah State game that week, and that's that Bob Davey would be bought out of his contract, essentially, and that he would be stepping down. And then we hear that uh, um, that Fresno State's head coach uh, stepping down because of health issues, and Colorado State's Mike Bobo also stepping down, uh, saying it was a mutual agreement for him to step away. So four openings in the Mountain West Conference. Uh, UNLV acted uh, relatively quickly. They hired Oregon offensive coordinator Marcus Arroyo, uh, and uh, he's going to be the new head coach at UNLV. Colorado State hired former Boston College head coach Steve Adagio, which seems like a really strange hire, not unknown of any connection at all to the Intermountain West, let alone the Mountain West Conference. Um, but then two new hires have been announced just recently. So Fresno State, they've hired Indiana offensive coordinator Kalen DeBoer as their next head coach. Um, it may seem odd that he's coming from Indiana, but he spent a lot of time 
at Fresno. Uh, and uh, he was on the staff there when they won the conference championship and had a big turnaround. Indiana had a big turnaround under him as offensive coordinator. They won eight games this year. Um, he left Fresno State in 2018. So that will be a pretty seamless transition there. Uh, New Mexico, this is interesting. They've hired Arizona State defensive coordinator Danny Gonzalez as their next head coach. Um, he has a lot of experience with New Mexico. He started there as a graduate assistant. He was the team video coordinator. He eventually w- moved up to coach safeties and special teams. And uh, he was with Coach Rocky Long, moved with Rocky Long to San Diego State, where he sem- spent seven seasons there, uh, one season as a defensive coordinator. And then he was hired to Arizona State, where he spent two seasons where their defense really improved over the last couple of years. And now he is uh, going to be the new head coach at New Mexico, where he's got a lot of experience. Uh, he began his coaching career there under Rocky Long and uh, is connected to that coaching tree and what's going on there. So that it makes a lot of sense. But there was a lot of rumor that Weber State head coach Jay oh, Hill was strongly considered man, for the job. I And I tweeted out that that wouldn't be a good fit. That wouldn't be a Jay Hill decision. Or a Jay Hill-like choice, I should say. Jay Hill needs to be somewhere where he can, um, look, where the environment allows him to be able to build on it, build on a roster. And I think, you know, I thought Colorado State would be able to really do that. Colorado State made a dumbfounding decision that still doesn't make sense to me. But that that definitely is another one that just it, it mind boggles me uh, a lot. But by the way, so Jay Hill is still a candidate for a lot of lists. I, I mean, well, I guess that fills the coaching carousel, doesn't it? In Division One, I, I think that completes the list. Fresno and New Mexico are the last two schools. Well, if I'm not at least mistaken. in the Mountain West that I know of. I think it also completes it in Division One too, if I'm not mistaken. Missouri's got their guy as well. Uh, according to Brett Hine, he says, Jay Hill calls the connection to the New Mexico job just rumors and said it would take something pretty special to hire him away from Weber State. All right, we're going to take a break. Come back. We'll finish up the full court press here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. The Aggies, the Jazz, the High Schools, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Eric France and Audrey Salveson here on the Full Court Press. We wrap it up for a Tuesday evening. Thanks for joining us, however, wherever you are. Don't forget, you can stream us on 1069thefan.com. You can also pick us up on your podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Just type in the Full Court Press. Eric's name, my name. You can get all the Aggie content that your heart desires. A lot of Aggie content coming up throughout the week, including In the Know Tomorrow on the Kent State Golden Flash. And also on and South Florida. South Florida. Yeah, we got to yeah. get on this Big South Florida. Double header. Yeah, so we'll get all that. Uh, we'll get all that and more uh, as we get you ready for uh, a busy, busy Aggie, Aggie, or Aggie, Aggie, Aggie weekend. We'll Big week for, for basketball, South Florida. Huge week. Bowl game on Friday against Man. Kent State. Then the basketball back at it again against the Florida Gators. Across the country in Miami near the swamp. Big time opportunities for both teams. What an exciting, uh, what an exciting time. And don't forget, we'll get you in the know on everybody as much as we possibly can. No show Friday. We'll get you ready on Wednesday night. Kent State, USF. <laughs>